All right. Thank you for joining us for My Wildlife Style Radio, a podcast series for busy wildlife professionals like wildlife rehabilitators, educators, and veterinary staff. I'm your host, Emily Davenport, and I am the founder and executive director for the Rocky Mountain Wildlife Alliance. Our mission is to elevate the care and protection of Rocky Mountain wildlife by fostering a sense of community and collaboration among wildlife professionals. Continuing education and training is an important component of our mission. Most wildlife professionals don't have time to sift through literature reviews or veterinary journals or sit through hours of training videos and classes. We have designed our content for very busy wildlife professionals so you can learn while you're driving to your center, working on reports at your desk, running on the treadmill, making dinner, or walking your dog. We will offer continuing education classes both in person and online. In addition, we have created accompanying handouts and podcasts like this one that complement the classes and can be used internally with staff, volunteers, and interns. We believe helping wildlife professionals experience learning in their preferred format and at their own pace results in better educational outcomes. It is also part of our mission to help make continuing education more affordable and accessible so that more individuals can participate and become even more effective caregivers. I am very excited today. I am here with our first guest, Amelia Gazzo, certified veterinary technician and fully licensed wildlife rehabilitator. Amelia has been working with wildlife for five years and received her full license for wildlife rehabilitation in 2015. She is an advisory board member with the Rocky Mountain Wildlife Alliance and currently serves on the board of directors for Colorado Native Bird Care and Conservation. In addition, she is a wildlife rehabilitator with Greenwood Wildlife Rehabilitation Center, which is the largest wildlife rehabilitation center in the state of Colorado. When she is not caring for wildlife, she is caring for companion animals as a certified veterinary technician at VCA Anderson. She enjoys working with all critters, but is especially passionate about birds. When she is not working with animals, she is at home tending to her garden of both indoor and outdoor plants and spending time with her pets, Macy the cat, Cuckoo the African gray parrot, and Pickles the retired racing pigeon. Amelia, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. You have been a licensed wildlife rehabilitator for over three years now, and you are known around the center as an enrichment enthusiast for, for your avian patients. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of rehabilitation. It's just as important as feeding the patients a proper diet. It helps reduce stress while helping them practice skills needed in the wild. Plus, it makes their enclosures beautiful. It makes me feel like some sort of bird interior designer. Awesome, that's so important. Enrichment is defined as an animal husbandry principle that seeks to enhance the quality of captive animal care by identifying and providing the environmental stimuli necessary for optimal physical and psychological well-being. So many people don't realize that there are many different types of enrichment. There's social enrichment, cognitive enrichment, physical enrichment, sensory enrichment, food enrichment, and behavioral and environmental enrichment. And a lot of these overlap each other, and today we'll kind of talk about the different forms of enrichment and how those apply to wildlife patients. So tell me, what was your, what first interested you in the idea of enrichment for your avian patients? Well, actually, it started with my own pet parrot. I adopted him from the Gabriel Foundation. The adoption process involved a lot of education. I learned about diet, physiology, and enrichment. 
Enrichment can mean so much to a parrot. It can be the difference between a sound bird and a distressed bird who has plucked off all of their feathers from boredom and stress. When you give them something to do, like foraging for food, puzzle solving, or something to chew on and destroy, it stimulates their mind in a similar way that it would be in the wild when faced with a similar task. This helps them feel sound in an unnatural environment. Most parrots are only one to two generations removed from the wild, so they are very much wild birds. In the rehab setting, when you give a wild bird enrichment that is natural to them, it reduces stress because it gives them something to do or look at that is natural to them. It's behaviors that are ingrained in their DNA that they are able to fulfill, and it feels right to them, thus reducing stress. How cool. So your own pet parrot was the one that kind of got you onto the subject. Yeah, that's really cool. So what do you think is important about enrichment in the rehab setting? I think uh, there's two things that are kind of important about um, enrichment. First, it reduces stress for the adults, but also the babies. It's in their DNA to thrive in a particular environment. When you give it to them, they gravitate towards it and feel more at ease. The second reason I think it's important is it teaches the youngsters how to obtain food and hide from danger. Since their environment is more artificial in the rehab setting, it's important to give them enrichment that is natural to their life history so that their transition to the wild is smoother and they have the best possible chance to survive. So, so very interesting. Um, we talked about your pet and we talked a little bit about rehab, but how does enrichment differ in the rehab setting versus like a zoo or education setting? I feel like enrichment in a zoo setting can include items that are unlikely to be found in the wild, like a ball, a Kong, puzzle toys. I see zoo enrichment to be similar to enrichment for parrots. You'll never find spinny wheelie puzzles or <laughs> Chinese finger traps in the wild. But since zoo animals or education animals will never return to the wild, this isn't a problem. For wildlife rehab enrichment, you want to use items that the bird will encounter in the wild, food that they will eat in the wild, cage that mimics their natural settings. Even sounds can be considered enrichment. You know, that, that's interesting because I've never really thought about that. When I think of en enrichment, I think of toys, you know, mm -hmm. toys and games and things like that, that that you would give to a pet or or an education animal. So it definitely makes you have to think a little harder about what you would do for those animals that are going to return back into the wild and how we can best prepare them to return to the wild. So in addition, what are some things people don't think about when creating enrichment opportunities for their avian patients? I think one thing people can overlook is how specialized these species can be. There isn't a one-size-fits-all type of enrichment for our avian patients. For example, what may be appropriate for a western bluebird may not be for an American robin, especially when it comes to teaching young birds how to obtain food, even though they are both thrushes. Hmm. The western bluebird needs more opportunities to catch highly mobile prey. I would recommend using a live bug catcher to catch flighted insects. These insects can be released into their enclosure for them to practice catching, or maybe even fly catching. In the wild, the western bluebird will perch on an elevated area close to the ground, perhaps a fence post. When they spot prey, they will swoop down to the ground and quickly catch it. They will even sometimes catch insects mid-air if the insect tries to fly away. Then they will return to the elevated area to look for more prey. Young American robins, on the other hand, need more opportunity to obtain soft-bodied insect grubs and worms buried in the soil. They have this innate behavior to find worms on the ground. They will take a couple steps and cock their head to one side. 
When they do this, they are looking and listening for worms and grubs. When they have found one, they will pull it out and consume it. Then they will begin the process again of taking a couple steps and cocking their head to one side to look and listen. We can provide young robins with this opportunity to practice the skill in rehab by providing them with a wide, shallow dish or container of soil with earthworms and mealworms buried inside. That's really cool. That's why I always love talking with you because, you know, I'm more familiar with the large birds of prey and I always learn something when I'm with you about the the little guys, the little songbirds, (laughs) so that's really cool. So it sounds like you're telling me to think about their natural history when you're trying to come up with enrichment items for your rehab patients. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So for somebody like me who is more proficient in birds of prey, but maybe not songbirds, um, where can somebody go to do some research about enrichment? Um, What resources are available for people out there? I like to use NWRA Songbird Diet Index for food enrichment, Cornell Lab of Ornithology for general life history, and YouTube for videos of birds in their natural setting. Um, What I like about YouTube, I feel like it's kind of an untapped resource, is that there's this whole community of bird watchers that have their GoPro, so they are taking videos of birds raising their young, birds singing, birds catching food. And so it's a great opportunity to watch birds in their natural environments, even if you're, you know, too busy to actually go out and bird. Um, But, you know, if you do have the opportunity to go outside, nothing can beat that. You can watch how, um, you know, how does the bird catch its food? How does it hide? How does a young bird discover the world? I remember a few years ago watching a fledgling grackle at Confluence Park, and that's in the middle of downtown Denver. In between the feedings, um, this bird would pick up various twigs and uh, leaves and wave it around in its beak and then drop it, pick it up again. And this was kind of his enrichment and how he discovered the world. And so what I took from that is now I provide all of my grackles with leaves and twigs and they do the same thing. They discover the world with their beak and explore these new items in their cage. No kidding. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and you learned all of that just from going outside and observing nature. Yeah, definitely. It's cool. such an important resource. Um, NWRA wrote this really great article about how people look down to learn about birds when really one of the best ways to learn about birds is looking up sure. and going outside. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. That's great information. So like I said, I, I always love talking to you about bird stuff because I'm a bird nerd also. Um, But you and I recently talked about the importance of a kind of a natural setting for orphaned wildlife that come in for care. And, um, you know, being bird people, obviously we're talking about birds in the rehab setting. So, So can you elaborate a little more on that? It was a great conversation. Sure. Natural settings are important to orphan wildlife for two reasons. First, it reduces stress. When animals get to behave in ways that are natural to them, that reduces stress. This can have so many benefits like healthy growth, faster recovery from injuries, and ease of feeding for both the caretaker and the animal. For example, giving a cavity to a cavity nester. Without a cavity, a nest to hide inside of, the animal is timid, afraid, and reluctant to eat, thus needing to be force-fed. Force-feeding can be very time-consuming, and it's an added stress to the patient. One animal that comes to mind is the violet-green swallow. Unlike the more ubiquitous barn swallow, the violet-green swallow is a cavity nester, making nests uh, in the cavities of trees, cliffs, and man-made structures. Without their cavity in the rehab setting, the young violet green swallow sinks into its artificial nest and is too afraid to eat. When provided with a cavity nest, they will begin to gape because they feel less stressed in a more natural environment 
a cavity. Sometimes they will even gain the courage to poke their head out of the nest and eagerly accept food, just like they would in the wild. The second reason natural settings are important to orphan wildlife is that it primes them for their release. These animals need to know what environment to feel comfortable in. They need to be accustomed to spending time in trees or in grass and not be fearful of these environments. They also need to have food recognition and be able to obtain food. How is this accomplished in rehab? We put cuttings of natural foliage in their enclosure, provide items like bark or big rocks. We also give them enrichment that encourages them to obtain food in more natural ways than just eating out of a dish, like impaling fruit on branches, hiding mealworms in dirt, releasing live insects for them to practice catching. So you really do a lot in the rehab setting to kind of provide those natural enrichment items like rocks and bark. And I love the idea of impaling fruit on branches. I, I hadn't thought of that. Um, but I could definitely see how that would entice a, a, a bird to kind of forage on its own. That, that's really cool. And what's neat about that comment is it reminded me of last month's podcast where we talked about um, the 10 tips every wildlife rehabilitator should know. Um, in one of our tips, we talked about the four basic needs of wildlife, both in captivity and in the wild. And those needs are nutrition, shelter, security, and enrichment, of course, but a lot of the enrichment that you're providing is also providing safety and security, which I really think is cool. All right, that's great information. That's really important information. So let's dig a little deeper, shall we, on some of the enrichment, um, the different types of enrichment that we can utilize in a rehab setting. Um, we talked about social enrichment briefly. Um, have you ever used social enrichment like in the rehab setting? Oh, absolutely. Um, especially with species that tend to uh, flock together. So you think of swallows, they are much happier um, with other swallows. Okay. Um, another example of social enrichment, kind of, is, you know, if you have a bird that's unwilling to gape or open its mouth for food, and then you have, you know, a couple of the same species that are happily gaping, you combine them, and then okay. they learn from each other, um, and then they all start to eat. I love that. That's awesome. And I know mirrors are utilized a lot with yes. waterfowl and, and other species of birds as well. Um, and, and teddy bears and lookalike animals and, mm -hmm. and like you mentioned, like appropriate pairings of different animals. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. You know, a few years ago we did, um, we paired some cedar wax wings with some swallows and they did really well together. Um, some species that you don't want to mix, um, are like your, uh, tyrannidae. So like kingbirds or phoebes, you want to be really oh, sure. careful with yeah, who yeah. you mix them with. That's really neat. I think I think we take for granted the importance of social enrichment sometimes because a lot of these social behaviors are often the key to an animal survival in the wild, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. And a lot of uh, juvenile animals, you know, will stay with their family and help raise uh, the newer brothers and sisters. So sometimes what we'll see is older blue jays or swallows or even robins feeding the other birds in the cage. That's really cool. That's really neat, actually. I've seen that with magpies. Yeah. We've had wild magpies trying to feed our captive magpies yeah. um, through the cage bars. So, so that's really cool. And then, of course, you have cognitive enrichment. Um, that can be in the form of like puzzle toys and puzzle feeders, different games. These might be more for um, education ambassadors, but you might be able to utilize them in a rehab setting as well. Um, have you ever had any experience with, with utilizing that? Gosh, not that I can think of it at the top of my head, but one important thing uh, that I do want to mention is maybe having novel items. Um, and maybe you could consider, can consider that cognitive or maybe more um, environmental, but it 
does kind of stimulate the brain. They want to, um, you know, investigate it. So maybe you could put that with cognitive. Definitely. There's a lot of overlap with these two. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so interesting. Yeah, we utilize a lot of this for um, our Birds of Prey ambassadors. Mm -hmm. so, so we'll utilize... Um, toys and puzzle feeders and Kongs and a lot of the things that you would use for, for your pet birds as well, like you mentioned. Um, and then this is one of my favorite. I think this is really important for um, all species that we rehabilitate, both avian and mammal, but, but physical enrichment. Mm -hmm. um, we have to remember that sometimes for weeks or months, they sit in a small kennel or a confined space inside. And once we have the ability or once they are able to um, be healthy enough, physical enrichment is really important for them. Um, switching out an enclosure item regularly or, or giving them branches to climb on, dirt to dig in, hiding places like we've already talked about, scratching posts, all of that is so important. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, one thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, enclosures that you would make for like a woodpecker. You want to include lots of vertical, um, you know, barks mm -hmm. and even just using a little, um, one of those little medical cloths that they can kind of grab yeah. on vertically. And so that's a nice physical enrichment for them. Yeah, that, that's a great point. That The same type of physical enrichment you would use for a woodpecker, you wouldn't necessarily use for a barn swallow, for yeah. example. Mm -hmm. So so great, great advice there. And then this one is really cool. I don't have a lot of experience with this one, but sensory enrichment. Um, this would be something that would stimulate one of their five senses, you know, something like, um, you know, a piece of cloth that would have a scent on it or, you know, places for them to scent mark themselves. Now, I know birds don't really scent mark that much or in the same way that mammals do, but um, there's definitely different sensory things we could use for birds, don't you think? Right. Like a natural sounds, I feel like are helpful instead of hearing human voices, maybe playing like something auditory of like a stream or just something that would be natural to them in their setting. Um, another thing too, sensory could include a little bit of environmental, mm -hmm. like one thing that I have noticed, you know, when I go out hiking is when you see little towies there, you barely ever see them. They're always kind of in the bushes, in the brush. We had a towie a couple years ago. Um, and then I just added a huge clump of branches and he immediately went underneath. Nice. And so that was kind of like a sensory and maybe environmental enrichment for him that helped, helped him feel safer, um, and also more at ease and at home. Awesome. Again, going back to that safety and security. I love that. And then, of course, food enrichment is super fun and important for most of our, our rehab guys. Um, giving them the ability to forage or simulate a hunting experience, maybe, for, for a bird of prey or providing a food item that they would eat in the wild, like a grub or an earthworm, um, fungus, bark, all sorts of things like that. Um, I'm sure you have experience dealing with the food enrichment because that's such an important part of what we do. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that I will mention that I found last year that I couldn't find for the longest time um, was those live uh, bug catchers. So what it does, it provides, so you leave it out at night, it's a black light, and then the fan pulls the attracted bugs in. And so when you check it in the morning, there's live bugs and you just open the container and release these live bugs into the enclosure. And so it's great practice and uh, food recognition for a lot of these um, aerial insectivores, but also just any insectivore in general. That's really cool. I'll have to try that. I haven't seen those either, so I'll definitely have to check that out. And then there's behavioral enrichment, um, which again kind of overlaps with some of the other ones we talked about already. Um, but you can simulate hunting experiences, foraging. Um, you can stimulate their natural behavior. So again, digging, scratching, um, rubbing, all that sort of thing. Um, 
can modify some of their behaviors, I guess. Yeah. And behavioral, I mean, yeah, there's so many overlaps with food and social. So yeah, it's all kind of tied together. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, we've kind of covered this already, but environmental enrichment, I feel like this might be one of the most important ones, if not the most important ones, because you're, you're providing natural items like rocks, real grass, um, in some cases, flowers and thistle, um, pools with water, barks, stumps, cavities for these animals to hide in. And really, you know, we're preparing them for life back in the wild. That is the ultimate goal that we can't lose sight of. So it's really important to uh, make sure that their environment is, is filled with as many natural items that they would find in the wild as possible. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And I think environmental is one of the most important and one of the most fun. I mean, you look up a bird that you have in the rehab center and look up what they like, where they live, how they interact, and you give them that and you just watch them thrive and take through to it. And it's one of the most fulfilling parts about doing enrichment. Awesome. Well, this pretty much brings us to our time. Amelia, thank you so much. It's always awesome talking with you. I always love geeking out to bird stuff with you. All right. So we are just about out of time for today. If you would like to share this podcast, it is free and available for everyone. You can find this podcast and others on our website, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and more. Tell us what you think of our show also by using the hashtag MyWildLifestyle and MyWildLifestyleRadio. If you would like more information on this topic or the accompanying handout for this podcast, they can be found in our member center. If you would like to become a member and receive exclusive continuing education content like this handout and others, visit our website at www.rmwalliance.org forward slash join forward slash support. Also, stay informed and follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I'd like to thank our special guest today, Amelia. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure talking with you as always. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you again for spending time with us and teaching us about avian enrichment. I, I always learn a lot. So um, that's all the time we have today. Thank you for joining us for My Wildlife Style Radio. I look forward to bringing you more educational topics soon.